Now, let me get all my instruments here. And um, let's read the text now. What do you say? It's in John chapter 10. Starts at verse 1. We'll read 10 verses. And it reads like this. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Guys, did you realize that there are no parables in the Gospel of John? You'll notice in verse six, it calls it a figure of speech. And I know that King James uses the word parable, But that's not the Greek word that's there. This is not a parable. It's more of a proverb or a metaphor, Um, maybe an allegory, but it's not a parable. Um, But to understand that parable, it would really help not only to understand it, but to enjoy it. If you knew a little bit of background data about shepherding industry in this particular era, you can find this in just about any commentary, but let me, let me tell you that first, and in the hope that understanding this much will allow you to enjoy what's being said by Jesus to us here. Gang, every village or every town uh, in this setting uh, had its own sheepfold, its own pen uh, where they kept the sheep. It was normally a square or square-ish, and it was made uh, comprised of stones that were set on top of each other up to eight to 10 feet high. Um, During the day, the sheepfold was empty, but at night it was full and it was overseen by the gatekeeper whose job it was to protect the sheep from wolves and thieves. Each Pen was used overnight <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> by several different shepherds, each having a different number of sheep. So all the shepherds in that particular village or town used that one sheepfold. And so then every morning, the shepherds would arrive, recognized by the gatekeeper. 
and they would get their little flocks and lead them out into the fields in which they would spend the day feeding and grazing. One shepherd would get 20 sheep, the other, another would get 25, and another would get 40. Um, but then they would get their sheep and off they would go only to return in the evening to be kept in this sheep fold. Now, here's the intriguing part. Um, every morning, in each case, the shepherds um, would come to get their sheep and they would have no problems separating their sheep from somebody else's sheep. Now for us, we, we, could, we would think that would be impossible and sheep's a sheep. But it worked wonderfully. How? Well, the sheep you see are attached to their shepherd. They recognize his person but specifically his voice. And if he called them, oftentimes by name, they would come. Gang, it's, it's like you, we would do in a group of 10 dogs. We would call our dog by name and our dog would come running. You see, you might be able to fool the sheep by your appearance, because you could dress up to look like the shepherd. But you couldn't fool them over the voice. Guys, I didn't read verse 14. We'll try to get to it next week, Lord willing. But verse 14 says, I know them, and they know me. The voice was enough and the voice was more reliable than the eye because of lookalikes. So each morning, the shepherds would show up at the sheep pen, they would call their sheep and their sheep would come running to the side of their shepherd. Now guys, that's the background data. Let's pause just for a minute and, and think about what Jesus is teaching us with that. Guys, every time, every Sunday morning, when we gather like this, something very similar is going on. It all started, maybe some years ago, with what theologians call effectual calling. Now, now don't get tripped up over that term. Effectual calling is just a calling that has an effect. It's a call which produces a result. It's that voice that the soul hears. Remember in John chapter 11, when Lazarus had died and they was already in the tomb and Jesus told him to roll away the stone and one of his sisters said, oh, don't do that, he stinketh. So they roll away the stone. And, and, and what did Jesus do? He called his name. There was power in that voice. 
And Lazarus, of course, walks out. The sheep hear it. Hear. And hear. And they hurry to the side of the shepherd. All because God has sovereignly granted to the sheep ears that recognize the voice of the true shepherd. The real sheep recognize the voice of the real shepherd. I know them and they know me. Now, let me tell you one other thing. I I got this out of a book that was written years ago by Philip Keller. It was entitled, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. But he, he tells a story in there that I assume is a true story. He told it as if it was a true story about the, the art of shepherding. So if there was on rare occasions one sheep that because he was so stubborn and stiff-necked, he would wander, he kept wandering off to places of danger, the remedy was this. The shepherd would grab hold of that sheep, break its leg, splint it, and then carry the sheep around until the leg healed. By which time, the sheep became so attached to the shepherd that he would never stray again. Oh, the discipline was painful. But through it, the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd grew sweeter. What I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, is that those two things are going on right now. The sheep hear his voice. They recognize that voice. And then there are those who because of their sinful choices are under the disciplinary rod of God. And though it is painful to go through it, at the end of it, the relationship will be sweeter. Now guys, there's two other observations that I want to make from the text. And that's all the time that we've got. That's all the time we have for just two. So first of all, let me draw your attention to something that's said in verse 3. He says, to him, the the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. He calls the sheep by name. You know, guys, I'm not as eager to explain that as I am for you to taste that. 
Oh, the sweetness of the name of the sheep known to the shepherd. Folks, he knows each sheep intimately by name. Folks, my wife and I have been married almost 51 years. It'll be 51 years next month. But in the 51 years of our marriage, she has never called me Dr. Young. I mean, we even have pet names. She calls me her sweet Babalu. That's not true. I just made that up. <laughs> That's what I've always wanted to be called. <laughs> uh, but we have, we have pet names because they have grown out of a, of a marriage of intimacy over 51 years. The shepherd knows his sheep by name. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he had your name on his lips. The shepherd savior, he knows his sheep. He knows them by name. Now, gang, what I think that's supposed to communicate to us is the safety, the eternal safety of the sheep. Gang, would, would he enter into that deep relationship of intimacy with us only to throw us away? Would he draw me so close to himself only to later on discard me? Would he marry me to only then later divorce me? Never. I know my sheep. I know them by name. The other observation that I would draw your attention to in the text is in verse one. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Verse one, folks, speaks to the lust of 21st century man to find another door. He is desperate to find another door. Maybe some of you are. He thinks that his search for another door is a sign of his sophistication and his smarts. Well, gang, to, to understand, I, you need to know to whom this was said. And to find that out, you've got to go to the previous chapter, chapter 9, the verse 40. If you'll notice, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Now, gang, do you know what happened in chapter 9? Jesus heals a blind man, a mind, a, a, an adult man who had been blind all of his life. He granted him sight. He shows up before the, the temple leaders, the establishment, and they're upset with him. 
call his mother and daddy in and say, is this your son? That's my son. Well, is, is, I mean, was he born blind? Yeah, he was born blind, but he's not blind anymore. Well, and then they start drilling him with questions. Where did this come from? What did he say? Where did you get it? How long have you been, been able to see? And so the blind man finally says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can't answer all of your questions, but I can tell you this, this much I know. I used to be blind, but now I see. And this crowd was infuriated. And that's the crowd to which Jesus speaks. The crowd that is desperate to find another door. There are dozens of other suggested doors. Over here, there's, there's the door that's labeled baptism. I mean, just get baptized and you'll be saved. Oh, maybe do the Lord's Supper. That's called sacerdotalism, ladies and gentlemen. Salvation via the sacraments. Oh, but another says, that's not right. This is the door. It's labeled 10 Commandments. Just, just do the Ten Commandments and, and everything will be fine eternally. But still another says, oh, wow, my, my goodness, that's way too many. You, you just need to, here's the other door, eightfold path. Just follow the eightfold path and that'll lead you straight into eternity. And another one says, no, that's, that's still way too much. Just, just remember the five pillars. The, the other door is, the five pillars. If you just perform those five things, all will be well with you. They all have in common this one thing, this, this, this final door. The final door is marked self-salvation, self-righteousness. Just be a good little boy or girl. Help little old ladies across the street. Donate to your favorite charity, and you'll be fine. And do you know what Jesus calls all of those doors? He calls them thieves and robbers. Well, who is the door then? He tells you in verse seven and verse nine, I am the door. He says it again in verse nine, I am the door. To communicate that the entrance into God's flock is through me. And, and I want you to notice this guys, because this is, this is not a small thing, I don't think. Did you notice that on, in, in two of the verses, verses one and verses seven, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you. Remember the old King James, verily, verily, I say unto you. Do you see what Jesus does? Truly, truly, I say, do you know what he's doing? He's staking his entire character on the truth of what he's teaching right here. If this isn't true, ladies and gentlemen, then don't believe a shred of it. None of it. Burn your Bibles. Don't come back here next week because it's all a sham. 
twice. Truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door. I didn't get that. Okay, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door. Folks, it is by passing through Jesus Christ that we enter into eternal life. And you, I hope, notice that the stakes are in verse 7 and 9. I am the door. If anyone enters, he will be saved. This is not trying to tell you how to live. It's trying to tell you how to be saved. And the door is a person. It is by him that we gain admission. You know, ladies and gentlemen, most of the doors in my house, I don't know about yours, but most of the doors in my house are locked. But this one isn't. And I hope you see that he says, there are no other doors. I am the door, not a door. Folks, Jesus never talks like that. You never find him saying, I am a way, or I am a truth, or I am a life. I am a door. Never does he say that. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the door. You know, folks, earlier I was effusing in praise for Vacation Bible School, and I meant every word of it. But I got a phone call this week from a man who attends church here. Uh, I know he's here today. You might be on security, but I got a, a phone call from a man who goes to church here uh, because he had gotten a phone call from one of his friends. It's a guy that uh, is very unchurched, very kind of um, uh, hardened in his unchurchedness. And, um, and, and this unchurched man is a friend of a guy that goes to church here. And so this man, who's the unchurched man, calls the member here and he says, Jim, your church rocks. And he said, my grandson, my six-year-old grandson came home from vacation Bible school. You know what he said to me? He said, Grandpa, did you know that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Did you know that? That's what 350 kids heard for a week. They heard that Jesus was not a door. They heard that Jesus was the door. You know, I've got a suggestion for us. Every time we pass through a door, might it preach a little sermon to us about Jesus being the door. Now, gang, notice in verse 9, it is not enough to knock. You must enter. That's the language. It is not enough to admire the door. You must enter it. 
It is not enough to know about the door. You must enter the door. And I wonder how many there will be who know everything there is to know about the door, but never enter it and will thus perish. You know what? You don't even have to clean yourself up before you enter through the door. Come as you are. But enter by the door. The shepherd savior invites you Come in. Everything you need, ladies and gentlemen, is not found out there. It's not found in here. It's found on the other side of that door. Won't you come in? Our Father, would you show people the beauty of Jesus Christ, the door? Six-year-olds see it, oh God. Might every 60-year-old see it too. And 16-year-old, and 26-year-old, and 36. Might we all see it. That the claim here by Jesus Christ is that there is one door and that one door is a person. It is the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you, O oh God, that you showed so many of us that years in the past and we now have stepped inside and we have been delivered from guilt and the shame associated with it. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.